the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's Lifeline with Craig Roberts. He's the host of Northern California's longest-running conservative talk show. He's a man with a message, a conservative with compassion. He's Lifeline's own Craig Roberts. Good afternoon, Northern California, and welcome. It is a Wednesday. It is the 30th of October, in case you lost track. And it's another edition of Lifeline. Craig Roberts here keeping you company as we do each Monday through Friday from 5 until 7 p.m., addressing issues that impact your life, your world, and your Christian walk. We've got a real treat for you today, a bit of a departure from our usual program, as we bring you highlights from the 26th annual KFAX Pastors Appreciation Luncheon. Once again held at the Marriott Hotel in Fremont, we had a great crowd of pastors from throughout the San Francisco Bay Area who gathered for a real treat. We're going to kind of pull back the curtains and let you be exposed to this blessing as well. Dr. Jim Daly, the president of Focus on the Family, was our keynote speaker. Jim shares a very personal story of his own life story. And I think when you hear it, you'll be encouraged to see that God is not only a God that we serve of second chances, but God uses some things to confound the wise, to glorify himself. Uh, Jim's story is very touching. It is heartbreaking in some ways, but at the end is a story of tremendous victory, and you'll see that God has uniquely called him for this time, for this ministry. So without any ado, let's get into uh, today's program. Highlights from the 26th Annual KFAX Pastors Appreciation Event, our special keynote speaker, the president and speaker on Focus on the Family's daily radio broadcast, heard each Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. and 9 p.m. right here on KFAX, Jim Daly. And here's Ron Walters, who is the former general manager of KFAX and now our vice president of ministry relations to introduce Jim. Dr. Jim Daly, president of Focus on the Family. And... You are well aware of the name Focus on the Family, a 40-year ministry that was birthed by Dr. Jim Dobson, who about 10, 12 years ago began to let go of the reins. And he, Dr. Dobson, and his right chief of staff, Don Hodell, from White House fame, uh, sat down and came up with one name of one guy that they wanted to take the leadership of Focus on the Family to the next level. That man is Jim Daly. He came to Colorado Springs to head it up about 10, 12 years ago, and he's taken this marvelous ministry focused on the family, the world's largest Christian family group based in Colorado Springs, and it's one of our great pleasures to be dragging Jim all over the country to speak to pastors just like you. Would you give a real nice hometown welcome to Dr. Jim Daly? Hey, buddy. What happened? Golly. You know, I'm a Bronco fan, and I think we passed on... I know, I know. Hey, different division, different league. Come on. 
But didn't we pass hiring Shanahan's son for coach? I think we did. That was a big mistake. Anyway, who's here to talk about football, right? Uh, And it is so good to be with you. Ron is an amazing human being. I know we say that in Christian circles that one guy introduces, but Ron is such a great guy. When you look for quality people, you know, I was at a funeral, and of course, all of you as pastors, you do a lot of funerals. I am not a pastor, by the way, and I'll explain that in a minute, but... I remember being at a, at a funeral for a donor of Focus on the Family back in Michigan, and I think it was Joe Stahl that was part of the funeral and did one of the two eulogies, and he said something that was so amazing. He said, most men, the closer you get to them, the less impressed you are. But he said this gentleman that had passed away, Jack, Jack DeWitt, I'll tell you his name, a tremendous business guy. Uh, Gave a lot of money away to a lot of different organizations, churches, etc. And he said, the amazing thing about Jack DeWitt is the closer you got to him, the closer you wanted to be. Isn't that an awesome statement? And Ron is that kind of guy. Honestly, Ron, it's true. There's a handful of people that the closer you get, the real, the more real it looks, and the closer you want to be because of that authenticity. And Ron's that kind of person. Well, listen, I'm not a pastor. My brother was a pastor in Sacramento, not far from here, for many years, and he always gave me great advice. He said, never say to a pastor, I got something, I got a great idea for you. Do you guys guys get that all the time? Like, hey, I just, I'm thinking of one thing. And at Focus, we try to refrain from that. So today is just about showing appreciation on behalf of KFAX, of course, but KFAX being a bigger part of the Salem Radio Ministries and Focus on the Family in Salem have been working together, Ron, for 40 years, 42 years. And Salem is by far the strongest network of stations that Focus on the Family is delivered on. And we're so grateful to, to Salem, to KFAX. My wife went to UC Davis and was pre-vet. By the way, anybody go to Davis here? Okay, here's a little insight. If you don't make it into vet school, you go to med school. Are you got, are you, did you hear that? So whatever doctor you're at, just look on the wall. If it says UC Davis, medical doctor, you might want to ask, did you, did you get thrown out of vet school? So, <laughs> but we lived in Fairfield, and I drove down to the Bay Area, and I worked for International Paper, and I, I studied business. My brother, he went to seminary. He became a pastor. He worked in the business world. I came out of IP and worked in ministry. Isn't that funny how the Lord does that? So, but uh, it's been a, a great passion. I can remember listening to Dr. Dobson on KFAX here in the Bay Area. This is all true. And uh, I told myself, if there was a Christian ministry I'd want to work for that seems to be run professionally and all that kind of snooty stuff, sorry, I said, yeah, I'd really, someday it might be interesting to work for Focus on the Family. So I just tucked that little thought away as I would drive to my meetings around the Bay Area. But the Lord ended up uh, working that out. I studied at Waseda University in Japan. Anybody speak Japanese in here? Nobody? Oh, so I could tell you a lot of things. Yeah, no. But we have a konnichiwa over here. Konnichiwa. Genki desu ka? Ohio gozaimasu? Ohio. Kyotsukete ne? Anyway, I made a few mistakes in Japanese. I won't go into that, <laughs> Joel. <laughs> but uh, when I got back from Japan, I worked at Campus Crusade for about four months, and I met a gentleman there, Ron Wilson, 
And uh, Ron is a terrific guy, and he uh, worked at Crusade. I then went to work for International Paper. Probably six, seven years later, Ron called me and said, would, would you, and I was living in the Bay Area, Gene's going to UC Davis, and uh, I had made that little comment about, oh, maybe someday I'd work for Focus. And Ron called me and said, hey, I work for Focus on the family now. There's a job opening coming up. Would you be interested in it? Is that crazy? That's like the Lord totally saying it. But all of that happened while we lived in the Bay Area. So I feel in part that this is part of my home in this area. So, um, okay, so uh, I'm going to give you, I'll just give you a shotgun of things. 30 minutes or so, we'll talk about a few things. Um, When Dr. Dobson and Don Hodel, Don Hodel was President Reagan's interior secretary and secretary of energy, if you can imagine that. So at Focus on the Family, Don was on the board uh, after he did government service, and Don came out off of the board to help Dr. Dobson with the transition of leadership. He had put a 10-year plan into place. Don became actually interim president and began to work uh, kind of together with Dr. Dobson to get him out of day-to-day decision-making. And uh, I can remember walking down the hall with Don Hodel. I mean, Dr. Dobson and Don Hodel. And I'm just, you know, doing the international work, doing marketing, doing other things at Focus. And I'm walking down the hall. I know exactly the spot at Focus. And Don grabbed my arm and said, Jim, Dr. Dobson, the board, and I, we think you're the guy to take it forward. And I'm like, no, (laughs) I don't want to be that guy. I mean, can you imagine coming behind these guys? It's crazy. And I, in fact, I went home and I told my wife, Jean, I came through the garage door and I said, Jean, you won't even know what Jim Dobson and Don Hodel asked me today. What? They asked me if I wanted to be the president of Focus. And she goes, who would have thunk it? <laughs> now, that's an awesome wife. Who would have thunk it? And I, actually, the, the true story, she then said, I think you got to take the garbage is full. You need to take the garbage out. <laughs> that's the actual truth. And I went like this. I went, I don't know if I could still do that. <laughs> and she gave me that Wi-Fi, like, you can still take the garbage out. And uh, that's kind of how it went the rest of the, the last, uh, you know, 15 years. But... Uh, it was, it was traumatic for me. Let me just say it that way. And why? Okay, so if you look at Dr. Dobson, he would say he didn't have a perfect family, but he came from a good family. He's an only child. His dad, of course, was a pastor, and his mom was wonderful and stayed home and all the good stuff. And, you know, he became a Ph.D. in child development at University of Southern California he helped solve a disorder in children, PKU, which is an early childhood disorder. He and his research team discovered an enzyme that if you give a newborn, it takes care of the issue. Ah! Um, teaching doctors how to relate to pediatric patients, children. That's his background. Of course, he wrote Dare to Discipline. Anybody use that book, by the way? We had an institute, a college institute class at Focus over the several years, and one of the guys that came in, came in wrote a poem to Dr. Dobbs and said, roses are red, violets are blue, I got spanked because of you. <laughs> That's a good one. Yeah, we put more security around Dr. Dobson after that. But, uh, 
you know, just with his, you know, my goodness, iconic stature. And so the night before the official transition, I mean, I'm laying in bed going, this is a mistake. What am I doing? Seriously, I'm going, okay, tomorrow. Now, Jean is asleep next to me, which was rude. She had a good night's sleep. I didn't sleep a wink. And the whole night, I'm just going, Lord, I can't do this. I'm going to go in. I'm going to resign tomorrow. And I don't know how the Holy Spirit speaks to you, but this is what I heard, which is that outside in kind of thought or presence or voice. So I'm, I'm having this like total pity party. I can't do it. I can't do it. It's not me. I'm not equipped. I don't have the tools. I'm, that's what's going through my head at three in the morning. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, I heard, it's not about you. <laughs> what? <laughs> is that an awesome thing to hear? Hey, it's not about you. Stop making it about you. And I just remember it caught my attention. I was like, wow, okay, Lord, who's it about? <laughs> you know, and what I felt him say in my spirit is he owns it all. He owns what's broken and he owns what's whole and healthy. And Dr. Dobson kind of represented that from a good home, stable, good guy, conviction, driving force, bigger than life. And hi, I'm Jim Daly. <laughs> and for me, um, you know, the, the thing for me is I came from a really bad, broken home. Anybody from a perfect family in here? What about your uncle? Uncle? <laughs> Every hand goes down when you say the uncle. Poor uncles. I don't know what to do. You're listening to the highlights of the 26th annual KFAX Pastors Appreciation Event with special keynote speaker, Dr. Jim Daly, president of Focus on the Family. We'll take a brief time out, get you an update on traffic, come back to more of our special program today, more highlights of this Pastors Appreciation Event as Lifeline continues here on KFAX. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. Back to highlights from the 26th annual KFAX Pastors Appreciation Event held today with our special keynote speaker, Dr. Jim Daly, the president of Focus on the Family. Let's slip back into the room, if we shall, and listen to more as Jim continues his story. So the... uh, In this setting, I mean, I'm looking at all of this. Now that you know the we want you to take over focus story. So then I'm sitting there going, okay, Lord, why me? And I looked at it, and the Lord gave me just about every family type you could live in. I was in that normal dysfunctional household. I had my mom and dad divorced when I was five. And my dad was an alcoholic. Yes, I'm Irish. And you can laugh. It's okay. (laughs) And, uh, and I was five, and he just could not control that. And I remember uh, he got arrested. It broke our family up. My mom was kind of on the run to keep the five kids and her away from him. So we moved all over Southern California. I think I was in seven different elementary schools. So, yeah, that was, thank you. It was really hard. <laughs> it was. Hi, I'm Jim, and I'm a second grader. And uh, it was bad. But, but uh, so I've got two older brothers and two older sisters, and uh, they're a lot older than me. They're 10 years older than me, nine years, uh, eight years, and seven years older than me. And I was the oops baby. Anybody the oops baby? Let me see the oops baby. Come on, this is our moment, everybody. There's only, there's five of us. That's where you, you always get introduced as the accident. Hi, this is, this is Jim. This is our accident, Right? 
Somebody told me one time, they say, you shouldn't tell that story. You should say, you're the blessing. That's not what my mom said. <laughs> she said I was the accident. So uh, my mom was 42 when she had me. It's getting worse, huh? Yeah, I was definitely the accident. And, uh, but my dad, you know how the dads are, older dads. I think my dad was like 58 or 60. He was a bit older. So it's like, yeah, this is my son, Jim. Proud of my son, Jim. <laughs> I still have it, you know. <laughs> so I was that guy, and I felt loved by my dad. But in that context, I mean, it was chaos. And so my mom's working three jobs uh, as a waitress. We were poor. Uh, she meets a guy, Hank. I called him Hank the Tank, ex-military drill sergeant. Not a good guy for a stepdad. He used to do white glove tests in the house every Saturday. Thank you. That's the best response I've ever had from that. It was like you were fearful every Saturday morning. Tin hut. Tank, Hank the tank's coming in for inspection. Yes, sir. And one time I left my jacket on my, on my bed. He made me hang it up 500 times. And I was eight. And I did it because I was too naive to lie. I mean, he went to the kitchen. I could have just said, laid on the bed and gone, One. Two, but I sat there, I pulled this jacket off 500 stinking times. And if you go into my closet today, the effect of Hank the Tank is all over my closet. <laughs> suit right, suit right, suit right, pant, 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 shirt, 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 all facing that way. It's my OCD from Hank the Tank. My wife's side, oh my gosh. Oh. I've asked her, I said, man, can you give me 10 minutes? 10 minutes is all I need. Stay away. He'll say, stay away from my side of the closet. But it's compulsive. It's weird. The effect that we have when we're kids, you know, Hank, it's like I just have this like unbelievable compulsion to fix my wife's closet. Anyway, so that was Hank and, you know, it was funky and they, my older siblings were fighting with Hank and my brother joined the Navy and my mom was in the bedroom a lot. I didn't know what was happening. And I ended up, uh, she called out to me one day, and Hank would say to me, Hank would say, stay out of our bedroom because you'll wear your mother down. What does that mean? <laughs> like you're going to, her energy, you're going to zap her of her energy. Okay. So I'd be bopping around the house. I'd go days and weeks at our home and not see my own mother because she was locked in the bedroom. And Hank, one day he was out, and my mom yelled for me, and the door was ajar, and I went, wow, okay, so I go in, and I was a little taken back by her appearance, she was a little more frail, I didn't know what was happening, I didn't know if she had a cold or the flu, I mean, I'm only nine at this point, and I remember she said, Jimmy, can you go and do a, f a favor for me? Yeah, what do you want me to do? Plant some flowers outside of my window in the flower box. Okay. Go get a pen and paper. I ran and got it, came back, now I'm in fourth grade. And she said, okay, I want you to get my favorite flower seeds. Okay, what are they? Like, I had literally just learned how to spell rose. And she said, chrysanthemums. <laughs> oh, my gosh, chrysanthemums. <laughs> K, A, <laughs> it was bad. She said, just do your best to remember. I ran to the store. She gave me a little money. I bought the seeds, Long Beach, California. I came home. I put them in one inch apart, a few seeds, covered them watered them once, like a good nine-year-old would do. And uh, thankfully, we had rain over the next few weeks. And so then six, seven weeks later, my brother Mike, he came home from the Navy, and he came to the house, 
I didn't know anything unusual was going on except Mike was home. Oh, that's great. Mike's a big guy, six foot five, played college ball. I love Mike. He was my hero. And uh, Mike came into the house and started calling each of the kids by birth order into a bedroom. And so Mike called my brother Dave in. He came out crying. Mike called my sister Kim in, and she came out crying. And then my sister Dee, and she came out crying. And then Mike said, Jimmy, I need to talk to you. I'm going, I'm not going in that room. (laughs) I'm not an idiot. But I went in there, and my big brother Mike sat me on his knee, and he just looked me in the eye, and he said, Jim, there's no easy way to say this, so I just got to tell you, mom is dead. What? Mom is dead. And I, I remember grabbing his arm so tight and putting my nails into his forearm that it drew blood. That's, and I didn't even know I was doing it. He just sat there and took it. And... Three, four days later, I mean, you're instantly in this fog. And three or four days later, I remember we went to the funeral and we got home and Hank had sold all of our furniture and it wasn't Hank's, you know what I mean? He was the stepdad. This was our furniture actually that our dad had bought. And uh, he sold it all and there was just a few boxes in the living room of our stuff. I had you know, a box of clothes and four or five of my toys. And Hank came out of the back bedroom, and we had just been home 30 minutes probably from the funeral. And he came out of the bedroom and he said, you know, I can't take the pressure, so I'm moving back to San Francisco. What are we going to do? I don't know, but that's for you guys to decide. And he just jumped in a cab and took off for the airport. And I've never, ever to this day, that was the last exchange I ever had with Hank. Isn't that crazy? He just like walked out entirely. And uh, I remember Mike then hugged me and said, I got to get back to the ship. We're going off to Vietnam tonight. Okay, bye Mike. And I hugged him. And then Dave, my brother, and uh, my sister Dee and I, uh, I said, what, you know, what are we going to do? Well, we're going to go into foster care. Okay, what does that mean? We're going to live with people we don't know. Okay. And so the next day, my brother did know this family. He knew one of the sons, and it was in Morongo Valley. Anybody know where that is out by Palm Springs? 29 Palms, Yucca Valley, Morongo Valley, and then Palm Springs. Way out there. Population 1,200 40 years ago. Guess what the population is today? 1,200. <laughs> it's like nobody's... I looked at the sign not long ago. I drove through there. I go, oh, my gosh, the same people still live here. <laughs> It's exactly the same. No change whatsoever. That should say enough about Morongo Valley. Anyway, we're living with... Now, I've got to tell you guys, the Lord has a sense of humor, doesn't he? I believe he does. I can't wait to hear his belly laugh. What does the father's belly laugh sound like? <laughs> I don't know. Well, I'm looking forward to hearing it. And, and this family that you know walks into your church every Sunday... The Hopes. Their last name were The Hopes. And they were our neighbors when I was very little. And we were CEO Christians. You know what that means? Christmas, Easter only. And we would get dressed up for church. And the Hope family would take us. We even called them Grandma and Grandpa Hope. They weren't our grandma and grandpa. But they took my mom in as a daughter. And their daughter was my mom's best friend. So the hopes went to my mom's bedside the day before she died and led her to Jesus Christ. Isn't that awesome? 
And not only that, but think, the Hope family, the Hopes. It was awesome. And so anyway, now fast forward, after the funeral, we're going off to foster care, and we're going to the Reals. That was their last name, the Real Family. You don't think God has a sense of humor? The Real Family. And the Reals had four sons, and it was Dave and Dee and me going to the Reals. And the Reals, they had an 18-year-old son, uh, Dave Real, who that year married his 42-year-old cousin, Maggie. I mean, come on, you guys. For real? It's true. It's a true story. I was thinking, oh my goodness, I'm not going to get married. I have no cousins. I mean, I still to this day, even though I have two sons, I never had the talk. I mean, I had a lot of chaos going on in my life, and there was no adult male that ever said, hey, Jimmy, you know where babies come from? No, I never had that talk. I just figured it out. And, uh, but what's so funny is that was my thought. Yeah. Oh, Dave's marrying his cousin Maggie. I won't get married. I have no cousins. So anyway, that was one. And then Paul Real was my brother's friend. And then Gary Real, uh, and Gary was 14 when I moved into the Real family. And then, and then Marky, so, and then Marky, who was eight years old. So Marky is eight, and he would steal things from me. I mean, I had four headless G.I. Joes. I mean, it wasn't like a super hard inventory. And so I literally, I went to his drawer and I opened his drawer because I was missing my four headless G.I. Joes. There they were. So I gathered them up. I took them to Mrs. Real. And my mom was awesome. She was not a church-going believer, but she knew the basics. So she taught us to love our neighbor. She taught us that we're supposed to love God. And then we ate fish on Friday. Like every, every Friday. And we had fish sticks every Friday and tater tots, right? This was the 60s. <laughs> like, so, you know, we're at the Real family. And, and I remember Mrs. Real, when I took those G.I. Joes to her, and I said, Mrs. Real, you know, Marky stole these from me. And I remember her looking at me saying, you know, Jimmy, our Marky would never do that. You're, you're just not fitting in with our family. I, those were the verbatim words. And I remember at first it kind of hurt me. And then I thought, I think she just gave me a compliment. If I'm not fitting in with her family. I mean, it's like, wow, thank you, Mrs. Real. Oh, I'm sorry. I, <laughs> I mean, what are you going to do? Yeah. Well, I'll be the axe murderer. <laughs> You're listening to the highlights of the 26th annual KFAX Pastors Appreciation Event with special keynote speaker, Dr. Jim Daly, president of Focus on the Family. We'll take a brief time out, get you an update on traffic, come back to more of our special program today, more highlights of this Pastors Appreciation Event as Lifeline continues here on KFAX. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. 
Back to highlights from the 26th Annual KFAX Pastors Appreciation Event held today with our special keynote speaker, Dr. Jim Daly, the president of Focus on the Family. Let's slip back into the room, if we shall, and listen to more as Jim continues his story. So I was there in this chaos in the real family. And, you know, somebody once said, you should be grateful they opened their home up. Okay, I was grateful. So I would walk out of Mr. Todd's class, cry, sitting on a sand hill. I mean, while he's teaching, I would in fourth grade just literally get up and walk out of his class because I had such this gnawing sense of loneliness and pain as a little boy. Like, what is this life about? And as pastors, can I just encourage you, you're going to have 10-year-old, 12-year-old, 15-year-olds in your churches that are just like I was. And I'm telling you what, when someone put their arm around me or just notice me or said, hey, son, you having a good day? That was like a drop of compassion. Because I was a starved desert. I was just this parched desert that nobody knew me, nobody cared about me. I'm just some orphan kid. And when somebody would just say, hey, you did that well, or you play football well, or whatever, it was like, they noticed. Isn't that crazy? But they're in your churches every Sunday. And so... We were in that setting about a year, and six months in, the social worker came, and she was a much wiser woman, probably 25, right out of college. And she sat across the table at the reels with me and my brother Dave, and the real family was outside. They had, she had excused them so we could talk freely about this chaos. And uh, I remember she looked at me, and she said, we have a problem. I went, finally, an adult that gets it. I'm at this kitchen table, I'm just going, I can't believe an adult sees it for what it is. And she looked at me and said, well, Mr. Real said you tried to kill him. (laughs) I was like, what? Let me write that one down. (laughs) How? How? And she said, well, he said you tried to push him off a cliff. And I'm nine going, but we live in Morongo Valley. (laughs) I mean, he literally was not holding it together, but I became like the object of all of his anger. And I was trying to be such a good boy. Now, a couple of you are probably going, well, did you? Did you try to kill him? No. (laughs) I was trying to be this really good kid. I played, you know, I did well in school and I played sports. You know, thankfully, man, the Lord, when you're looking, when a little boy, a little girl are looking for something, I mean, I was thankfully the guy that got to pick the teams, you know, that little bit of ability in athletics. So I was one of the one of the coaches or one of the captains all the time. And that really gave me the confidence I needed in life, I think. But I can remember that she said that, and I just, what are we going to do? And she said, we can break you up into different foster care. You can hunker down and stay here. And I never heard that word before, hunker down. And she's looking at me. I mean, I'm like 10 now, and I'm going, "Uh, I think we should hunker down and stay here. So we did another six months. Then my bio dad appeared, had chased us down. And uh, my dad came out, and I was like, Dad, Dad. You know, if you come from an alcoholic home, that's Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. And I just, at the end of the day, my dad said, do you want to come and live with me again? I was like, yes, get me out of the real family. And so I moved back in with him. We moved back to San Gabriel. My sister and I, she was 17. And then a year later, she turned 18. It was a pretty good year. He was still struggling with his drinking. And the family, the kids all said, you know, you shouldn't live with dad anymore once D moves out. So, but you got to tell him. 
So, I mean, I had to sit in front of him at a family meeting and say, Dad, I don't want to live with you anymore. And I remember he looked at me and said, why? I think, nobody prepped me for that question. (laughs) So I sat there for what seemed like a long time, and I looked at my father, and I said, well, because of the way you treated Mom. Imagine that coming from your 11-year-old. You know, and then he looked at me, he got up, he came over, he hugged me, and he said, I wasn't a good husband, and I'm not a good father. And he walked out the door and he died four months later. That was the last, those were the last words I spoke to my dad. And uh, that's tough. That's really tough. I then ended up moving in with my brother and went to junior high and high school living with my brother who was married to a 16-year-old pregnant girlfriend. What do I call you? She goes, you can call me mom. Okay, you know, you're closer to my age than my brother's age. (laughs) Maybe we can go out Friday night. (laughs) Mom! (laughs) And in all that sea of horribleness, somehow God noticed. Somehow I was on his radar. Isn't that amazing? No, praise God. I mean, all of us are there, but... It just seemed like I was in this fog all the time of all this chaos going around. And finally, a football coach, Coach Paul Morrow, he scholarshiped me to go to a Fellowship of Christian Athletes camp at Point Loma. And this guy that was the, the quarterback for the San Diego Chargers at the time, this is probably like 76, I was a sophomore, and he goes, have men let you down? Has your father let you down? Has your stepfather let you down? I thought he was going to say, has Mr. Real let you down? (laughs) I was like, I mean, there's like 50 of his guys. And we're in a small room, and he's saying these things. And he's going, I'll introduce you to someone who will never let you down. Could you imagine my appetite for that promise? To be connected to somebody that's not going to let me down? I have never had that relationship in my life up to that point. Everybody had let me down. I'm 15 at this football camp, and I accepted Christ in that moment. But here's where you, no, praise God, but here's where you come in. So the next Sunday, I'm like, I got to go to church. Hey, Dave, you want to go to church? My brother. Nah, I'm not one of those guys. Okay. Hey, Dave's wife, do you want to go to church? Maybe we'll call it a date. (laughs) She's like, no, I don't go to church. So I, I just find a church. And somebody gave me a Bible and they wrote John 10.10. What a great scripture. The only problem is if you're like a 15-year-old new convert that didn't grow up in a Christian home, there's a lot of Johns in the Bible. (laughs) It's nice to point it out. Maybe put a a bookmark in there for the poor kid. But I'm looking for John 10.10. Is it 1 John 10.10? Oh, there's not 10 there. 2 John, no no more 10. Where's 10? 10. Oh, there's 10. The thief comes to uh, steal, kill, and destroy, but I come that you might have life. Whoa, did that mean something to me? Because the thief took it. He took it all. He took my family. He took my mother. I mean, all of it. Death, death, lies, death. And then I just gave my life to the Lord. And pastors were incredibly helpful. Youth pastors. I'm just this kid. But they would put an arm around me and say, hey, I think God has something special for you. Hey, I think God knows who you are. Just little things like that. A smile. And I was like, soaking it up. And it made all the difference in the world. But just remember that with the kids that are there. And, and uh, so I think you know more of the story as to why I was so paranoid that night. 
saying, why me? Lord, it can't be me. It can't be me. I'm dysfunctional. I'm imperfect. I'm flawed. I'm a sinner. (laughs) And I think what he's saying is, it's okay. I own it all. I own what is good and true, perfect, and I own what is broken. Some of us come from this end of the continuum, right? And I love that scripture that says he's close to the brokenhearted and saves those crushed in spirit. I was crushed. Let me show you a picture of a broom tree. Do you have that picture by chance? I don't know if we've got that up here. Well, those are the kids. I didn't play all that. It's great audio. That's all right. The, the broom tree picture. I don't know if we got that. Okay, I was in Israel, 110 degrees on this day. Broom trees in the scripture, acacia tree. It's what Bedouins would do to save their lives out in the heat of the day. There's enough shade under that tree to just allow you to live. This is God's, this is God's uh, solution for you on a hot day. <laughs> Take relief under the broom tree. That's it. And Nurse Bandy and Coach Paul Morrow, they were my broom trees. You know, they didn't give me so much that it ruined me or spoiled me. They gave me just enough love, enough shade, enough cover that I could move to the next spot. And I would suggest you as a pastor, as a church, you're that broom tree for your congregants, for those coming into your pews. You're giving them enough spiritual shade to refresh and to go out and to engage the world again, whatever it might be, all the tough stuff that's going on in your congregations. And I I just wanted to paint that picture for you. It's not elaborate, but it's what God calls you to do is be that broom tree for the little orphan boy, for the broken marriage, loss of a spouse, loss of a child, whatever it might be. Just be that shade that gives somebody a little protection. Amen? God bless you guys. There once again, Dr. Jim Daly, the president of Focus on the Family. Of course, his radio broadcast heard every Monday through Friday on KFAX at 9 a.m. and a reprise broadcast at 9 p.m. We certainly hope that you've enjoyed Jim's sharing, a very heartfelt talk to a gathering of hundreds of pastors from across the Bay Area who attended today's annual KFAX appreciation event. We'll take a brief time out. We're going to get you updated on some traffic. We'll come back with more here on the Wednesday edition of Lifeline from KFAX. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. Welcome to Healing Habits Now with Dr. John Duong of the Holistic Health Center. You know, it's an interesting and perhaps troubling new research just published by the Centers for Disease Control. This has come out in the last 30 days, revealing alarming new numbers in American health, or perhaps better put, the lack thereof. In the arena of pain and pain management, Fully 21% of Americans now report suffering from chronic pain. 21%. That's nearly a quarter of the U.S. population. But wait, another 8% have been diagnosed with what doctors are calling high-impact chronic pain. Without regard to what the source of your pain might be, here's what I can tell you, because you can tell us even better. You suffer from it every day. 
and oftentimes debilitating to the point where you find just day-to-day tasks and responsibilities at home or at work become nearly impossible to complete. And worse yet, for weeks, months, maybe years, you've sought solutions and unfortunately have found no answers. Dr. Duong, wow, 21%, and we're up to almost 30% of Americans. If we add in that 8 percentile dealing with high-impact chronic pain, this is becoming almost a pandemic. Yes. A lot of people are living in, in pain. The worst part of it is that when they have pain, that you don't have uh, the quality of life that you truly deserve. That's what we put on earth for, to live better, live longer, and to live happier so that we can serve. There's been talk in recent months about addressing the pandemic that is taking place with opioid abuse. And a lot of people think, well, people are just doing this for um, so-called recreational drug use purposes. But from these new numbers out of the CDC, it sounds to me like a big part of this is in a failed attempt at pain management that, quite frankly, a good percentile of Americans are not living life to its fullest, not really able to function because the degree of pain through which they must survive every day is just unmanageable. That's why I'm here. I'm here to give people hope. You don't have to live in pain if you follow the right pathway. If you follow in there, uh, a pathway that just masking the problem, of course, the pain will continue and continues to get worse. But if you're following the right pathway of the body has the ability inside you to heal, you can get better because that's why I'm here to share this message so people who are in pain or people who have any chronic disease, there's always hope so that you can get better. I'm here to share with you my knowledge. You know, ironically, we know that in many miraculous ways, the body does have a natural way of healing itself. If you cut yourself on a paper cut, maybe, within a day or two, that begins to heal up. The body has the ability to regenerate cells. It's incredible if we allow the body to do and function as God designed it to. Exactly. Just how healthy we can be. But the problem is that lack of knowledge. What scriptures say, my people suffer for lack of knowledge. You've brought a very special guest with you here today. Uh, introduce us, would you please? Yeah, this is Michelle, and she's one of the, um, my patients. And then she's very kind enough to come to the station and share this information with the audience. Our goal is to give people hope you don't have to suffer through with pain or to any chronic disease. Marshall, thank you for being with us today. And we had a chance to visit briefly uh, before we came on the broadcast today. You were sharing with me that you've been dealing with chronic pain in a variety of arenas, almost to the point of being debilitating for the better part of a decade, a decade and a half now. Tell us a bit about what's been going on. Um, Being a longtime sufferer of migraines for actually 20 years and then dealing with chronic pain issues for the past decade and a half, about 15 years, it had been very difficult to function by the time I got to Dr. Duong. And I did find myself having to come off work just because it was such an overwhelming situation where pain was a daily circumstance for me. One that was just unable, I wasn't able to manage it anymore and was quite hopeless. You mentioned chronic fatigue to me before Mm -hmm. we came on the air today. Uh, Dealing with inflammation, uh, migraine headaches that you just referred to. And and, and practically speaking, almost every part of your body aching. It sounds like for 
a long time. You just kind of pushed through the pain, did the best that you could, but it eventually became to the point where, as you suggest, was debilitating. Yes, very much so. Um, Having a high tolerance for pain, it became my norm. But then my body started responding to the fact that it couldn't function at that level. It reached the breaking point. Exactly. And literally um, had to just come off work and rest and try and heal. And pursuing traditional medicine, I did that on a regular basis, but never had any resolve for the issues that. I was dealing with it with masks, the so symptoms, but not, not as if it. you were sitting at home on the couch just oh, dealing no. with the pain. So you sought out doctors. Yes. They gave you examinations. They yes. probably prescribed a whole yes. apothecary of medication yes. and no results. No results. Dermatologists, rheumatologists, osteopathic doctors, general practitioners, um, physical therapists, all of that. To the point where I had probably about. 10 different prescriptions that I was on when I first came to Dr. Duong just two and a half months ago. And Dr. Duong, how typical is this for patients that come to see you like Marshall that are dealing with chronic pain that has gone out over years and years, they've sought medical relief, they've been prescribed medication, and instead of getting results that seem to suggest that Like in her case, she's improving. In fact, over the years, she's actually gotten worse. Is this common? It's very common because, we, like I said earlier, you you have to follow the right pathway. The pathway of masking your symptoms with uh, medications, that's not the healing pathway. You have to understand the body mechanism, allowing the body to heal naturally. That's the right pathway of healing. That's what God designed us for, the healing from within. So the approach then in your practice is very different then from what many are familiar with. Again, go in, doctor, it hurts here when I do this. The doctor either says, well, don't do that, or here, let me prescribe you some medication, almost as if to suggest if you're going in to receive pain pills, for example, to deal with chronic lower back pain or maybe neck pain or uh, the results of anything from arthritis to thyroid disease and all of that that can accompany it, that we just need more pills because somehow we have a pill deficiency. But that really is a very uh, awkward way of approaching it. You're suggesting that we really need to look at this from a natural standpoint because the body is designed to be able to heal if we can only take it down the right path. Is that essentially what you're saying? Yes. The body can heal, period. But there's always pattern. So you need to recognize the patterns so, so, um, from patients' symptoms. Why do people, patients say, if they have a chronic conditions like thyroid, diabetes, rheumatoid arthritis, psoriasis, any autoimmune, any kind of, kind of um, chronic disease or chronic pain, there's a pattern. First is that sleep. Can you fall asleep? Can you stay asleep? Do you wake up in the middle of the, the night and your brain are raising? There's always the reason. So sleeping is something that we need to help the patient to solve. The second is the diet. Are they eating the right food? Everyone knows about gluten. Even some people, they even try to cut off gluten for like six months or half a year, but it doesn't seem to be very effective. Initially, it helps, but two months or three months later, it doesn't seem to be effective. Diet, one of the things that I discovered that really helps to understand the diet portion is genetic testing. Once we identify the genetic, where's your genetic weakness in terms of like a gluten, 
Okay, and in terms of your probiotic, in terms of your vitamin D, so that's, those are all lead into the inflammatory process. But one of the most important thing is that even the food that you think that is good for you can be harmful to you. Hmm. For example, spinach, tomatoes, avocados. Why? They, those are all good food, but it's good to other people. Maybe not to yourself because your genetic, you have a um, histamine breakdown issue. So we need to identify genetic to help the patient to have put in the right food into the system. And then there's other things that we test. Like we test for 55 genes to understand the mechanism of the body. And then there's also the, uh, the pattern of the gut, the digestive tract, right? We are understand 80% of the immune system is where it's in the gut. The pattern is that in the gut. So are you digesting your food? Do you have any constipation, any diarrhea, any bloatedness when you eat? So we need to understand that because we need to heal the gut and feed the gut with the good probiotic. So this way, that, that, that would give the gut the better chance to heal. And, and clearly, there's something going on that's triggering the system, like in the case as you've taught us in, in past programs of like arthritis, which is at the core in auto immune problem. Yes. If the body is somehow now attacking itself, it's misidentified the enemy. And as a result now, we're suffering from chronic pain, inflammation, the joints. And, and you had gone through some of that, Michelle, as well, oh, I guess. most definitely. I had been diagnosed with um, psoriatic arthritis. So definitely dealing with the pain from that inflammation, insomnia, um, pre-diabetic, all of those things had very all of the sensitivities to avocado, spinach, and everything, and didn't know why. Yeah. And coming from a history where my mother died from Lou Gehrig's disease, when I walked into Dr. Duong's office, that was where I thought I was headed, mm. literally. That must um, have been terrifying for you. Definitely Knowing so. the family history and the way you had been feeling. Mm-hmm. Most definitely. Oh. So being able to identify what the core root issues were and then have a solution that was viable Took some work. Uh, I cheated on my diet a couple of times and felt the results of that, but I have learned my lesson. So um, it has been very renewing as far as giving me hope. You're listening to Healing Habits Now with Dr. John Duong of the Holistic Health Center. More information available by going to HealingHabitsNow.com. That's HealingHabitsNow.com or by calling 510-818-1668. That's 510-818-1668. Don't forget, for a limited time, Dr. Duong is giving a very special opportunity for the first eight callers that qualify. You'll receive a consultation regularly a $287 value for just $47. This is available to the first eight callers to 510-818-1668. That's 510-818-1668. Or by visiting online, healinghabitsnow.com.